Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. And we're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need an expert to help navigate the home loan process, Rocket can. We've been navigating the discussion on who the best player in the NBA is at 855-212-4227, given for the first time in a long time. I can't just say it's LeBron James. Uh, and also uh, wanted to explore some of the reaction to LeBron and the Lakers being out because typically, you know, year 18, 36 years old, we're not expecting anything from a player. So it, in a way it's a compliment that there are still expectations for him, but when his team loses or something negative happens, there's always a degree of glee, which is uh you know, not in the glee like when it happens to Tom Brady. You know, there's there's always like people who are rooting against Tom Brady and are happy when Tom Brady loses, but it doesn't come with the vitriol that I I think uh comes with LeBron and and I think there's a few reasons for that. One being you have a group of people who rooted against him since 2010, and that's their sports NBA fandom identity. Two, you got the Jordan defenders who don't want him to be anywhere close to, to Michael Jordan. Uh, three, you got a media guy who's made a, a handsome living on stirring all that up. And then four, you've got the, 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 group, the media groups outside of sports uh, who have taken to LeBron as a punching bag who represents all these negative things about, you know, a particular group of people. Um, and, and therefore they take it every opportunity they can to, to relish and, and uh, revel in, in, in any shortcomings he may have. 855-212-4227. Let's go to John in Chicago. John, you're up on the Robin Lundberg show. Hey, um, glad, to ha- glad to be on the air. What's up? What's going on? How are you? Just hosting a radio show. What are you up to? Oh, I'm uh, I'm doing good. I I was uh, listening in and um, heard you talk about the psychology of uh, of you know everything that's been going on with LeBron being eliminated, and I thought I'd chime in and give my own two cents. Go ahead. All right. Um, like first of all, I I agree with a, with a lot of what you said. Like I believe that that there there's there are a lot of people who who. For one reason or another, take glee with um, with with LeBron 
uh, coming up coming up short. Whether whether it was uh, you know whether it was just getting uh, knocked out, knocked down in the playoffs or or even or especially and especially like right now, considering this is what the first time he's been eliminated in what the first round. Yes, first yeah, time. Some, yeah, and that, and for a lot of people, that's especially uh, that's especially a, a cause for celebration, and and yeah, I think I think like uh, ever since ever since the uh, ever since he left Cle- Cleveland, I feel like a lot of people, especially, have been have just been been looking forward to opportunities like this to just knock knock him down. Like I mean. I mean, all you need, if you follow NBA, NBA or sports in general, all you need to do is say the decision, and people automatically know. Oh, yeah, that of course, because you don't even need to specify what decision or or elaborate. You could just say, oh, of course, yeah, that's when LeBron went on went on TV and said he's leaving the Cavaliers, and a lot of people could probably point to uh, what wh- where they were and what they were doing when that happened, and and that really. That really affected a lot of people, especially obviously in Cleveland. Like a lot of people were really unhappy with that, and and I feel like, I mean, I mean, yeah. Even though even though he came back and won him a championship a few years, a few years down the road, I feel like there are still a few people who are hung up on that. And well, I, I, yeah, I don't think it's uh Cleveland that's hung up on that, I, and I also don't think it's just the decision. I think the um, the pep rally. This is what I was talking about, though. The, that sports fandom being rooted in rooting against him, at least their NBA fandom starting in 2010. I was talking about when he mm-hmm. went to Miami. And and I think the pep rally that they had, the, the not one, the not two, the not three, the not four, I actually think that may have done more um, to rile people up than the decision itself in, in, in retrospect. And, and I always cite that as an example. That was the first time I realized, oh, anything you do anywhere can be everywhere immediately, which wasn't the case before because people used to do stuff like that, but it would just be in front of the crowd. Um, they did that for that Miami Heat crowd. That was not intended to be broadcast to the world, but somebody filmed it or it was filmed and, you know, went everywhere, it's shared everywhere online, and all of a sudden it's it's a thing forever, right? And, and, and that is a part of it for sure, and, and thank you uh, for, for the call. But that was one of the factors that I had put in there. Um, but I think it's just one of them. John in Alabama. John, you're up next here on the Robin Lundberg Show. What's going on? Hey, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Uh, as far as LeBron, one of the things you said is anybody that thinks he's not a great basketball player, and a, I mean a mountain of a man, is crazy. But I think dealing with human beings, that they do get a lot of his off-court stuff mixed up with his basketball, and that overrides it. I mean, I think MJ is the best, and LeBron, I mean, he's right there with him as far as basketball. But the off-court stuff, I love him as a basketball player, and my kids love him, but I don't agree with a lot of the stuff he says off the court. Just because you're a good basketball player doesn't make you a politician and a philosopher, in my opinion. But, yeah, he's a wonderful basketball player, but I don't think anybody will ever take MJ's spot just because of the time he came along and what he did. Look, I mean, that's fair. I, I, you know, I, I think that debate will, will go on forever, right? And, and when a certain generation gets older, maybe it changes a little bit. We will see. The other point you made, 
and, and it's you look anybody's free to disagree with what LeBron says publicly, right? Or or say that wasn't the right tact or or whatever the case may be. I mean, look, that's that's part of being human beings. Um, but I I think you're, you're that's part of it too. I I hit on that before. the The issue I I believe is there's a, a disingenuous nature to it too. There's a lot of people who aren't just like, oh, I disagree with what LeBron said, but they turn that in, they turn him into a boogeyman. You know, because there's a certain sector of the media that picks a few of their boogeymen that they, you know, want to to sort of just beat their audience over the head with. This person's, you know, it's how you wind up eventually believing people are drinking blood and uh, children's blood and insane things like that, right, <laughs> that are out there about certain high-profile uh, people. And when you're, you're, you're famous to the level that he's at, I do believe some lose sight of that that's actually a human being. They almost think of them like a character in a show versus a human being. Um, and, and yes, I, I think there are you know networks and, and certain sectors of the media who just bash him over and over and over again because they think their audience is going to like that because maybe some of their audience does disagree with something he said in the past or a, a stance he took or you know something like that. But it, it, it shouldn't get to the level that it does because the, the level that I'm talking about is not rational. Let's go to Jimmy in, in Woodbridge, Virginia. Jimmy, you're up next here on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, how's it going, man? Um, Good, how are you? I wanted to uh, touch on uh, something that the last caller said and something that you said as well that, you know, yeah, he, he's a phenomenal basketball player. He's a generational talent. And what you said as well as uh, a lot of media outlets just attack these high-profile players almost as if they're like superhumans and that they can take these kind of uh, criticisms and uh, accomplishments and accolades. Um, at the end of the day, LeBron James, he's still a human being. Um, he still has emotions. They're very raw. He's competitive. When he wins, he's passionate. He wants to celebrate. He wants to dance. He wants to get with his guys and just live it up. But then when you lose, you can just see that he gets very uh, just kind of tense, gets very in his feelings, and, uh, you know, that's just human beings. Uh, I feel like a lot of media sometimes can portray sports athletes as uh, always got to be on this pedestal, always got to be at the top, but you got to be perfect, you got to be professional. To some degree, yeah, that respect's got to be there. I teach my kids all the time, when you lose, you still got to pay respects to the winning team. Uh, I'm a huge Peyton Manning fan, and I've seen Tom Brady beat him and the Colts for years on end. And uh, I got nothing but respect for Tom Brady, amazing football player, just the same way. But when he loses, you know, you can't go out there and say he's not a human being just because he gets upset. So that's just what I wanted to just chime in. Yeah, no, I, 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 I feel you. Like I said, there's a certain level of celebrity where I think sometimes and you got to check yourself. Look, I have to do it in this job. To a degree, too. Like, remember, I'm talking about a person here. No matter who it is, you know, yep. no matter what sport we're talking about, I'm talking about a person. Um, yeah. Whether you know whether that's Tony Larusa, and, and what happened um, with the unwritten rules of baseball, Le- LeBron James getting eliminated from the playoffs, or Tom Brady forgetting what down it is. Yep. You know, no, 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 no matter who it is. Yeah. Um, and, and and thanks for the call, man. Um, but the awesome. the that aspect of it. Because well, what I say, what I talk about, people that I knew the way I do, the people I do on the air, um, that has to, to weigh into the way I shape the conversation and, and the way I think and the way I approach stuff. 
And I mean, I've made mistakes in the past, been too harsh or, uh, you know, there are certain takes or whatever I regret. Um, but as far as as far as um, LeBron goes, he's just at that. I mean, he's above almost everybody else in sports and and even Brady, because Brady is not used as a punching bag the way LeBron is. And, and, and I do believe that's because difference in the way NBA fans approach stuff and NFL fans. And then the, the whole um, Brady's not as outspoken as LeBron has been, you know, and, and therefore you, you get um, you don't get that same level of, of vitriol from the people who are against LeBron's quote unquote politics um, or, or whatever you want to buzzword, you know, catch all word you want to use to put that in one bucket. Let's go to Spike in St. Petersburg. Spike, you're up next. What's going on, dude? Yeah, good uh, morning, my friend. Always good to look forward now to talk to you down here and uh, share NBA thoughts with you. You're the go-to. And uh, I was telling Anthony on the pre-pickup that uh, first time LeBron got knocked out, no fault of his own. And, you know, I'm a huge LeBron defender. And the joke I always had with you was his peak five years ago. It was five years ago. But um, it's trouble with the big guys. These big lean guys like Anthony Davis, who I think he shot up, what was it, the sophomore junior year of high school from 6'2 to 6'8, something like that. They're brittle, and it's too bad. He never should have gone on the court the other night. Now, I don't know if the outcome would have changed. And you got to kind of pull for Phoenix because if you don't like CP3, you don't like basketball because he plays it the way it's meant to play. And Anthony said he thought Milwaukee could win a couple of games. I can't buy Milwaukee. I want to hear your thought. No, one more thing and I'll let you go. I, I would just let Giannis shoot. You know, I said the same thing with Trey Young, unfortunately, for the Knicks, who did the best they could and had a great year. You, Trey Young will, will stop shooting. And <laughs> what he has is magic getting into the paint. It's just magic. And uh, I think Denver, you know, you're right. I mentioned Embiid and, um, and, uh, and uh, the other big guy. Not Jokic, the other guy. Oh, Davis. I said they were the two, and you said uh, Jokic. Jokic is probably the best big man in the game, and he's doing things in this series. If they had Murray, I would give them a shot. What do you think? Yeah, no, if they had Murray, I, I think they could win the West for sure. I mean, look, I, I, I would rule out anybody to win the West at this point, and, and thanks for the call. As always, Spike, I, I think all those teams are live. Phoenix is live. Utah's live. Uh, the, the, the Nuggets are live. The winner of the, the Clippers-Mavericks series is live, especially if it's the Clippers. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the, as far as Milwaukee and Brooklyn, I believe the winner of that series wins the title. I believe the winner of that series wins the championship. And I think that will be the Nets. You know, as good as Milwaukee is, and, and Giannis is, is sort of a uh, – Giannis is, is almost designed to go against Brooklyn. He, he's such a beast. He's such a force. And they lack interior size and, and physicality. I just don't know if you can handle what they have on the other side. I, and the numbers are starting to back it up. Like, they haven't even clicked all the way yet, and they're the best offense the league has ever seen. I mean, that's the those are the three best offensive players who have ever been on the same team at the same time at the peak of their abilities. And, and I, I just don't know how you handle it. Again, because you could argue that James Harden and Kevin Durant are the two best players in the NBA, <laughs> you know, and, and Kyrie is a top 10 kind of guy, uh, you know, and, and when Kyrie, Kyrie's capable of being the best player on the floor 
no matter who else is on the floor for a stretch as well. And when you, you got Harden at the top, sort of diagnosing what's going on, and his wingmen are Kyrie, who is better at creating his own shot than I think anybody in basketball, and Durant, who is just a special, special all-time great scorer, uh, what do you do? What do you do? And ultimately, I think that'll be too much for Milwaukee. It'll be too much for anyone else. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. At Robin Lundberg on Twitter. That's R-O-B-I-N-L-U-N-D-B-E-R-G. Is it time for Dame to ask for a trade? Well, doesn't look like that's going to happen because he's asking for a new coach. And apparently, Damian Lillard has decided on who he thinks the new coach in Portland should be. I'll tell you who his choice is coming up next. But, of course, I also want to hear from you. 855-212-4227, at Robin Lundberg on Twitter. It is the Robin Lundberg Show here on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Robin Lundberg Show. You know, um, Damian Lillard, if he were to ask for a trade from Portland, you couldn't blame him at this point. I mean, the guy's already proven his loyalty to the franchise. Um, But apparently, it sounds like he still plans to stay. And look, when I say you can't blame him if he were to ask for a trade, that doesn't mean I think he needs to. That's up to him, right? Like, there's, there's something cool about him being identified with one franchise, about him being able to... Um, carve out this clutch reputation, uh, you know, with them, despite the fact that he's getting sent home early in the playoffs most year. I mean, there's something cool about that. And if I'm a Portland fan, I'd much rather watch Dame get eliminated early every year than try to rebuild. And he can give them a chance to retool, right? The coach is gone. Terry Stotts is gone. Trade CJ McCollum, whatever they might do to retool that roster. I just don't think they have the assets to get to a championship level. So if checking off a championship is the his number one goal, then it probably makes sense for him to try to do that elsewhere. You know, and when I say you can't blame him, I don't think anybody could say, you know, Dame didn't give his all or didn't, you know, prove his loyalty or or, or would do it, be doing anything wrong if he went to them and said, look, I you know, I, I've been here, I think it's nine years, nine seasons, eight playoff eliminations I just think it's you know I want to win a championship I, I, you know I think it's time for for us to work something out I don't I don't think anybody could blame him but it, it doesn't sound like he's going to do that because he has apparently picked his next head coach or who he wants to be his next head coach and that is Jason Kidd Damian Lillard on the record he's the guy I want to Yahoo Sports on the record. Jason is the guy I want. Uh, Jason Kidd, of course, coached Brooklyn for a little while. Coached Milwaukee for a little while. An assistant on the, the Lakers right now. You know, Jason Kidd's one of those basketball geniuses. He, he uh, There's only a few that I've seen throughout my life. You know, Magic Johnson. Jason Kidd, Steve Nash. LeBron James, James Harden's approaching that now. I mean, there's 
it's rare you have somebody who sees the floor the way guys like that see the floor. But um, apparently that is the pick for, for Damian Lillard for next head coach, which would indicate if he's saying who he wants to be the next head coach that he plans to stay in Portland. 855-212-4227. Let's go to Billy in Toronto. Billy, you're up next here on the Robin Lundberg Show. What's going on? How you doing, Robin? Hey, I'm doing Robin, well. yeah, and that's what I love about Lillard. I love that he wants to stay with the one team and try and win that win there. I, I just love that about the guy. Two two things I want to uh, two points I want to bring up quickly, Robin. Number one, best player uh, in the NBA. I still say it's the two old guards. It's LeBron James. If they're healthy, there's no way uh, there's no way Phoenix is beating them. And then uh, the guy that I really like is Kevin Durant. I, I think he's the best player. Uh, up here in Toronto, we have one championship, and if Durant's healthy, uh, we have no championships. There's no way we beat that uh, Golden State team. Not not a chance in the world. They would have run us out of the gym. I, I, actually, I'm glad that he was uh, hurt to help us out. But, Robin, I'm going to go to your favorite sport. Your producer uh, told me that you love hockey. Uh, just kidding. But, um, you know, Robin, I, I'm going to rant up here for the, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, you know, this was the year that we were supposed to do it. This is the year the big parade was going to happen in Toronto, and we can't get out of the damn first round. We can't get out of the damn first round against our arch rivals, the Montreal Canadiens, uh, probably one of the biggest robbery in sports outside of the United States, especially here in Canada. And, Robin, I owe it all to uh, – all, all you need to know about this series is just watch the handshake line at the end of the game. I mean, first of all, I don't know why they do that, but, you know, a few, a few years ago – the, uh, the Boston Bruins were heavily favored over the Canadians, and the Canadians uh, upset them. And when they got to the very end of the, uh, when they get to the very end of the handshake line, one of the toughest hombres in the game, Milan Lucic, who now plays for Calgary, he grabs one of the Montreal players' guy's hand. He he hangs on for at least 10, 12 seconds, and his exact words were, "When we meet next year, first game of the year, I'm going to kill you." That's what I want to see in my team. That's what I want to see. I want to see fightness. I want to see toughness. I want to see you upset. If you've seen our illustrious leader, Austin Matthews, go through that line, it was like a wedding line, for God's sakes. Hugging, shaking, blowing in each other's ear. That embrace with Kerry Price at the end, their goaltender who stoned us, that embrace, honest to God, I thought one of them was going to need a cigarette after that was done. I mean, you lose, Austin. How about being a little bit upset? We know you're all. Le- we know you're leaving Toronto in three years. You're going to go back to Arizona and play, or somewhere in the states, like the new wave athlete plays, the non uh, Lillard uh, athlete. But my God, Toronto, show some toughness. Show something. We have become, Robin. Simply put, we have become the Chicago Cubs of the North. That's all I got. Well, there you go. The Chicago Cubs did uh, eventually win uh, um, a World Series, obviously, but there's uh, an unhappy. Maple Leafs fan <laughs> for you <laughs> right there. Uh, when you're talking NHL, there's a little hockey content. 855-212-4227. Let's go to Will in College Park, Maryland, where I graduated from college. Hey. What's going on, Will? Hey, Robin. How you doing? Good, man. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, I think that people are, are hypocrites when they speak about – I shouldn't say they're hypocrites. I think the statement they make is hypocritical when they speak about LeBron James and their – their dislike of his commenting about life. Because the fact of the matter is, we all have comments and beliefs and thoughts about life. So if we were asked, we would give our comments. They don't ask every player in the league all of the different things 
about life that they ask LeBron. It doesn't mean that they wouldn't answer them. It's just they don't ask them. They're not going to ask Caldwell, Caldwell Pope or some of the other players on that team because they're not popular. They're not people that everybody looks up to or everybody can, you know, has a consensus that they're one of the top five, top three players in the league. So they're not going to ask everybody those questions. But if you look at the careers of guys like Joe Namath and Terry Bradshaw and even look at uh, 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 Tom Brady, Tom Brady does a lot of talking about his life. There's in magazines. He talks about his wife and how she's a practicing witch and all this kind of stuff. I don't believe in that stuff. I don't like the stuff he says. I don't like his political affiliations or anything like that. But he's entitled to have his opinion on life, just like every single human being. But people want to say, oh, he thinks he's a philosopher. Why? Because he has an opinion on life? Are you kidding me? You have one. Why can't he have one? I mean, you, you, it's just like you said, people are holding these people accountable to something they don't hold themselves accountable to. If somebody asks you about life or what you believed in or what you thought was wrong in America or whatever country you live in, you have an opinion on that, too. Well, you know, Will, the, the, problem, the problem isn't even when they disagree. And, and you're right. LeBron is a, at a higher level than others, so he gets asked about stuff others wouldn't. But LeBron also puts himself out there more than, than others do, which is great. I, I, I'm not, I don't say that as a negative at, at all. In, in fact, I mean, I've worked with the school that LeBron helped put together, worked with it, seen it, you know, in, in real life, the, the good that he's done. You know, he did a lot around voting. He's done a lot of great stuff. He's made some comments that, that some people didn't like. Which is fine. You know, like you don't have to agree with everything he says. I, I think the the problem is when it crosses over to an ugly territory where it has for him, and, and I believe the reason for that more than anything else is that he becomes for a certain sector of the media, they take a few people who they think represent the, you know, what's wrong with the country or something like that, right? And and, and he's one of those faces. So no matter what, they're looking for any opportunity to, to put something he did on blast and say, look, I saw this LeBron James. And then the viewers and the people, that, that audience, they don't view him anymore as a person. They, they like it, It's a dehumanizing effect because he's such a big celebrity and everything. So it's like, I hate LeBron. I hate that guy. You know, like even though you're, they're, they're thinking of him more as, as, as a celebrity than they are an individual person. So there, to me, there's a, a big difference between saying, Oh, I, I love LeBron as a basketball player. I love a lot of the work LeBron's done. When he said this, though, I didn't love that. You know, okay, cool, we're good. But it, it's this, this like, negativity boogeyman mentality that, that I think uh, the outside sports media, at least, and, and thank you for the call, man, uh, has created. In, in the sports aspect of it, I think there's the fans who are, you know, rooted against him from Miami and are, are defending Jordan. Uh, and then the outside, the sports world it, it's that it's the the political landscape where he is put in a bucket like if you're looking at you know faces on a uh on a wall that they they want the uh, you know they they want the head they, they want it on a stick and and lebron is one of those those people that 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 has happened with so like no matter what you know they're gonna jump on it you're listening to the robin lundberg show Jonathan Frew tweets in, cocky Texan 677. Here's the problem with the world. We don't respect each other. We don't care about each other. Yes, we're all entitled to our opinions, whether we agree or disagree. But honestly, how hard is it to respect someone who may think differently than us or have different values? Uh, You know, that's in reference, I think, to what we were talking about 
with LeBron James. And, and of course, uh, I agree with the sentiment there. You know, um, we should all have respect for one another and empathy for one another. I will say with one, there is a caveat, not a caveat to that statement, but a caveat in the sense that there are some viewpoints out there that are not acceptable, right? Like just because someone has a viewpoint doesn't make it acceptable, hatred and, and stuff like that. Um, but for in the broad brushstrokes sense, of course, and, and that is part of the, the issue is like, and, and I was saying with LeBron, people aren't even viewing him really as a person, an individual they're they're viewing him as some sort of boogeyman in the the context in which I was discussing that, but I I did want to tell you about well here's the quote. This should be the biggest scandal in sports. That's the pull quote from a major league team executive. A new article from Sports Illustrated SI.com. You can read it. Stephanie Epstein, Alex Pruitt, the new steroids, MLB's sticky situation, and it is about. The doctoring of the baseball and how rampant that has become in Major League Baseball and how it is just kind of, you know, look the other way, a look the other way situation. And the reason it matters is because if you look at baseball this year, offenses are historically inept. Lowest batting average in the history of the sport. And the, the thesis of this piece is that the result of that batting average or the reason for that batting average is a result of the substances that pitchers are using to grip baseballs. And I, I know there's been theories about the, the ball not being juiced, and, and they did change the baseball. That certainly happened. Um and there's other, you know, theories about people swinging for the fences and strikeout or home runs being the only outcomes uh, of at-bats. And, and those are all addressed in this piece. Um, you know, there's a hitter in there that said it's not about not being able to, you know, hit a home run. It's not about trying to, to hit home runs all the time. It's the fact that the way that the these pitchers are pitching now it's almost impossible to hit because they're throwing so hard. And not only are they throwing so hard, but the ball is spinning. It's something called spin rate in Major League Baseball. Um, and that just they, they even have a measurement for it and how much the, the ball spins. And the spin rate throughout Major League Baseball has gone up in recent years. What was an elite spin rate in 2018 is now considered average. And if you look at some of the data, you know, depending on the spin rate, the batting average plummets. You know, if, if the ball's rotating at a certain mark, uh, 2,499 revolutions per minute or fewer hitters have hit 330. Fastballs down the middle, this is a these are on fastballs down the middle. At 2,500 RPMs or more, they've batted 285. And the percentage of high-spin fastball has tripled since 2015. In fact, there's an on-the-record quote from Charlie Blackman of the, the Rockies who said, I'm tired of people saying that players only want to hit home runs. That's not why people are striking out. They're striking out because guys are throwing 
97 mile an hour super sinkers are balls that just go straight up with all this sticky stuff and the new baseball spin rate. That's where guy that's why guys are striking out because it's really hard not to strike out. And again, the estimate for usage here from this this piece is 80 to 90%. Now that's anecdotal. That I, I don't have anything to, to back that up, but that's someone in this story saying that. One recently retired hurler estimates 80 to 90% of pitchers are using quote-unquote sticky stuff in some capacity. And we've all seen it, right? We've all seen it. Um, you know, Trevor Bauer had come out against it in the past, and whether it's a coincidence or not, now that he's on the Dodgers, who happen to lead the, the league in spin rate, his spin rate has gotten much better. He said, you know, he, he was on record before saying if he, he used that stuff, he'd be the best pitcher in baseball. Well, what led to his increased spin rate? Because he said the reason it would happen is his spin rate. Probably the most times you've heard the, the term spin rate in your life is during this segment. But that's important. And baseball's always been rampant with cheating, right? I mean, we've seen it. Nate Thomas tweets in, baseball's never stopped being full of cheaters in 100 years. The Astros just were caught, but it's never changed. And the Astros was different, I guess, because you could say they were cheating to a degree that was beyond the other cheating. But steroids was cheating. And doctoring baseballs is cheating. It just happens to be more accepted. And now, perhaps the sport has a crisis on its hands because of what pitchers have on their hands. And, you know, if you have seen baseball this year or no matter what team you root for, I mean, like, look at a team like the the New York Yankees who are are basically a um, microcosm of the state of the sport, just uninspiring, right? Because they, they're not getting – balls aren't being put into play. Contact isn't being made. And if the home runs aren't being hit at the same degree, then the offense just falls off a cliff. And we're seeing that now across the entire sport. Guys can't hit. Lowest batting average in history. And I, I, I know, like, one would say – I guess steroids feels worse or something because it's something people are putting in their body. But is there that much of a difference? Because if you look at some of the data that's in this story about how spin rates can change performance of hitters, you could easily argue that this causes a just as much, if not a bigger shift in the outcome than steroids did. I'm looking at some of the the percent increases for spin rate for these teams, and it's across the board it's happening, right? And we we always hear about how you fix certain things in baseball, moving the mound back, and, you know, again, trying to to put stuff in play. But it does seem like this is a a real, real issue. Here's another quote. People need to understand the significance of spin says one of the team executives. It is every bit as advantageous a performance-enhancing drug as a performance-enhancing drug, except that it's been sanctioned by the league and there are no harmful consequences for your body. We're just doing the same thing we did during the steroid era, says another team executive. We're oohing and eyeing. We were oohing and eyeing at 500-foot 
plus foot home runs, a 100 mile, 101 mile an hour, 3000 RPM cutter. Isn't that the same thing as a 500 foot home run? It's unnatural. It's like steroids as one of the NL relievers for us that refuse to use the sticky stuff. We get pushed out because if you don't have great spin rate, well, that's because I don't cheat. What do you think? I mean, is baseball in the midst of a, a giant scandal? Is that, you know, something that upsets you? How catastrophic is it right now? The the lack of hitting throughout the sport. Because we are in a, I mean, you could call it a pitcher's era if you want. But is there something else going on there? Are pitchers able to dominate at the level that they're dominating because they're using foreign substances? 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. You know, like, a lot of the managers aren't calling out the other team for it because they know their team's doing it, right? And baseball hasn't exactly policed it. They just kind of let it go. And now, you know, it's it's hard to, to watch a baseball game or, or see what's going on with the trends and then come away saying, wow, this is exciting. Every other day there's a no-hitter. Nobody's putting contact on the ball. Offense, historically bad. But there may be a reason for that. And, and you know, it, it makes sense, right? How many times have you heard somebody repeat that cliche that hitting a baseball is the hardest thing to do in sports? Well, they're making it harder. It's even more difficult because people are throwing harder and the spin on the ball is even greater. Should this be a huge scandal for Major League Baseball? What do you make of the state of Major League Baseball and where hitting is at right now? 855-212-4227 at Robin Lundberg on Twitter. Anthony, you're a big you're a baseball fan, right? What what are you, what are your takeaways from what we've seen, you know, th- this season and, and how bad offenses have been? Uh, no, I mean, uh, it, it's bad. You know, baseball right now uh, is going through, uh, you know, uh, a big issue, uh, as you talked about. Uh, just, you know, the ball is not being put in play. It just, it, it's boring. You know, uh, Don Mattingly recently came out, you know, said at times, you know, baseball is difficult to watch. It is. I mean, uh, and again, obviously, you know, this year is an historic season in terms of the batting average and the offensive struggles. Uh, but again, this has been, you know, going on now for several years where, uh, you know, again, the, the big problem is just the, the team philosophies. And, you know, this starts right at the top of these organizations where just, you know, uh, they, they want these guys uh, to hit home runs. Uh, so it's been a problem for uh, several years now. Uh, but again, in particular now this year uh, with the, the balls not being juiced and uh, with, with the substances. And that is a problem because, uh, I mean, we, we need more offense. Uh, baseball needs more offense. It needs more action right now. Uh, but I mean, between uh, yeah, the substances, uh, the baseballs being doctored, and and the lack of offense, and uh, you know, replay in I think in some ways has really hurt Major League Baseball. Uh, it just yeah, it's tough to watch. I mean, as much as uh, I, I watch every single Mets game, but uh, I love baseball, and uh, but I used to be able to watch any baseball game, even even if the Mets weren't participating. But the, the past couple of years, I find myself struggling now. To even watch if the Mets aren't playing in the game, like I find it difficult to watch a lot of these games now. Is Major League Baseball going through a crisis? 
four two two seven. I just such a weird thing to like sticky stuff. Like I, I, that's the kind of thing that would would almost turn me off just in general. Like what are they? They're they're putting gross things on the ball so that they can hold it tighter. Like it's just like a such a weird like way to cheat. <laughs> I mean, it, it makes sense. It's not weird in the sense that it doesn't make sense. It's just like I don't know. It it feels. Uh, it feels old. <laughs> it feels underhanded. I, I don't know exactly how to put it. Doug in Green Bay. Doug, you're up next here on the Robin Lundberg Show. What's going on? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Uh, this stuff with uh, spin rate, this stuff has been going on for years. And the whole problem is hitters don't know how to hit anymore. That's what the problem of the game is. You tell a guy like uh, Rod Carew, or Wade Boggs, or any number, number of uh, old-time hitters, they could hit that ball no matter where it was in the strike zone, and sometimes even out of the strike zone, and they'd still get hits. And a lot of those guys even hit for power too. It's it, these guys; they think they got to swing the bat exactly the same way through the strike zone, same plane every time they swing. Well, you're not swinging at any pitches. That are strikes. You want to fix some game of baseball? Get some coaching and tell these guys to learn how to hit balls. Where to look, look, I mean, look. There's something to that, but it's also the guys you, the old timers you named, weren't facing pitching like this. They weren't. I mean, the the numbers are there. The spin rate has increased factually to a level that it never was, and the velocity has increased as well, and the batting average has decreased. Is baseball in the midst of a crisis? Eight five five two one two four two two seven. It is the Robin Lundberg Show. Here on CBS Sports Radio. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.